Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on my Instagram at tokyostationpens uh, same handle for TikTok and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh I'm Jacob, you find me on Instagram at foodafan my blog is foodafan.com and on Twitter foodafan Hello, my name is Kure and you can find me on Instagram at miraikat Hi, I'm Elisa, I'm Inky Rocks on Instagram and YouTube Alright, and this is Episode 43. Can you believe it? We are in person together recording a live session. It's unbelievable. Uh, I'm out of quarantine finally and haven't seen you beautiful people for quite a while. Um, before we get into the meat of it, because we do have a lot of topics, let's just quickly get um, get these reviews uh, read. This is from Mike Shi Yi Yi via Apple Podcasts. And Mike Shi Yi Yi says, Doing my part for the 666 review Q&A session. Five stars. All jokes aside, I keep forgetting to review this wonderful podcast. In terms of fountain pen related stuff, you can't get any better than this. It's funny and it's juicy, as in informational and opinionated. I particularly appreciate, like many other reviews have already mentioned, how the hosts delve into the facts behind opinions. Granted, it takes a lot of time, dedication, uh, in brackets, like looking at official reports. To say more than, I like this, it feels different. Pretty pens, but expensive. But the end result is that the listener can go home feeling like they learned some facts from which they can form their own educated opinions, which may or may not coincide with the hosts. It also helps that both hosts try a lot of unorthodox stuff, like nib transplants slash modifications, etc., so you get some useful information that you can't easily get. All in all, can't say enough good things about it and hope you guys can keep it going in the foreseeable future. That was a long review. <laughs> I am parched. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, really, really appreciate that. You know, we, we put in a lot of time to to do this podcast. So, um, you know, it, it's great to hear feedback like that. And I would say it didn't start out as this... I mean, we started out with mostly opinions, but I think maybe because of the feedback we've gotten, we have gotten more into analysis mode and looked at obscure financial reports and uh, uh, information about pens and pen business. So that's sort of where the reviews have led us, I think. Yeah, and I think one of the, I mean, the most popular episode, even more popular than episode one, is the one that we did on Tomoe River. And also the ones that we did on um, on sailors, uh, kind of the the situation with plus, um, those have been very popular. So I think that's really when we um, started kind of moving into. All right, let's let's do some more analysis on the business side of things as well. So really appreciate it. The second review is from Ernie two one six via Apple Podcasts. Uh, Ernie says, "Great podcast about Japanese pen culture." Five stars. The hosts are entertaining and very knowledgeable about Japanese pens and inks. They cover the pens themselves as well as the goings on at Japanese pen companies and smaller artisan makers. They also talk about aspects of Japanese life that offer a glimpse into a different world. If you'd like to keep up to date about the latest Japanese, Chinese, and Taiwanese pens from high-end and custom makers to inexpensive pens, this podcast is a great listen. They also talk about exotic nibs such as cross-point grinds and somewhat enigmatic characters such as Wagner Pen Club leader Morisan and Nib Master 
Nagahara. I'm almost wondering, I mean, we, we like to talk about Wagner and Morrison because that's sort of what's going on in our community here. But I'm always wondering if people just tune out when they hear that. So um, it's interesting to hear a review from someone who actually listens to that part too. Right, yeah. I, I think it's like if somebody talks about like, I don't know, if a Japanese person listens to a podcast and then these posts were like going on about Richard Binder, it's like, okay, there's this guy called Richard Binder, but how, how does he affect me? So, uh, you know, I, I do think it's, you know, relieving that people are amused by our Mori episodes. We haven't talked about Mori-san lately, actually. Um, but we will see him in a few weeks at TIPS. And I think he's bringing uh, a new pen, is he? I- I'm sure he is. He, he has, like, different um, pens all the time. Yeah, he has hinted that he has a few uh, new models in the works. But I'm not sure when they're going to be released, but it's, it's possible. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much. If you would like to give us feedback, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to leave a review right now. And um, and yeah, we, we really appreciate it. So please keep it coming. Now, let's dive into the topics of today because we've got a lot of stuff that we need to get through. The first thing that I want to talk about is um, is actually something that, Jacob, you, you texted me a few days ago. You said, hey, you know, it would be interesting to talk about this. And I think we're actually a bit late versus the other um, reviewers or, or content creators out there in talking about planners. Because last month, it was like plan, or no, even two months ago now, planner crazy, right? Like Hobonichi um, released everything. And uh, and we haven't really talked about our planning slash journaling slash you know, just general writing setup uh, for 2020. We did one last year uh, when Koi taught us about um, Hobonichi, but I thought I think it would be a really great idea to have all of us just kind of talk about our planner setup for 2022. So we have covered some of the news related to Hobonichi, and we have talked about what these system planners are and how people use them, but we haven't really talked about our own usage. Since we knew we we're going to have this recording with Kue and Alessa, I thought this would be a perfect time to talk to two more heavier planner users about their setup. Yep. Um, so, you know, let, let's get to the star of the show, Kuei. Um What's your planning setup for 2022? I know you, you explored different brands and different, um, different products as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're using this year and how you've made some changes going on to next year. Okay, so I'm staying with the Traveler Notebooks, uh, Horizontal Weekly um, insert. Um, I, I have been using them for maybe five six years now so um, i like to having them you know uh, arrange in uh, folders uh, years after years they're all the same colors they, they all have this blue two tones blue for the the two semesters so i'm staying with them uh, for 2022 but um i'm hesitating with hobonichi i used to have the hobonichi planner so the the original one um uh, a6 format um, who is a day by day and maybe the two last year because of the pandemic I wasn't as uh, how to say active uh, daily to to write in my journal or maybe because uh, of my children I don't know exactly so I saw that in the last time we talked about Hobonichi I was saying it's not really uh, how to say you, you can feel most of the day, you can not write in during months. You can come back. You can craft inside. There's no rules about uh, planning, so there's no pressure about it. 
but in the same time, my Hobonichi planner are two thirds empty <laughs> for 2020 and 2021. And I'm thinking, do I stay like with them because I like the nice black, um, a very minimalist cover and the same in the in the bookshelf. It, it looks quite nice, but is it just like having empty planners in a bookshelf or do I maybe uh, turn to the free, uh, free day one? So then I can write whenever I want and I'm not having to follow some days. I don't know yet. It's still, uh, I'm still coaching. So I didn't, I didn't jump on September 1st on Hobonichi website to, <laughs> to buy. I was still um, um, taking my, the, sorry, taking the temperature to see how I will uh, evolve if the last month I decide to write more than I stay in with them. And um, uh, for travel notebooks, I'm a bit hesitating because uh, Baumkuren make um, um, collaboration with Traveler's Company and they release two um, uh, free date uh, planners, uh, one monthly, one weekly, with Tomoe River paper inside. So you know that uh, Traveler Factory use uh, Midori paper uh, in their planners. And now I'm yeah, struggling. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. So these are the, the main one. And I still have the five years Hobonichi that I'm using. And this one is quite easy to use because it's a very small um, say partition. So you can just write some daily notes, some the, the forecast or what, what thing you are using in your pen. And this one I have less. Um, yeah, I have it for five years. So I'm still going on with it. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I think what you said really makes sense. Last year, I bought the uh, A6 original mm-hmm. and the five-year. And I had a struggle because the A6 original and the five-year, I end up wanting to write the same things in both. Mm-hmm. So it, it was very difficult for me to kind of understand how I want to use them differently. And for me, the A6 was okay, but because it didn't have a weekly view um, on the pages, I, I did feel like um, I couldn't plan my week because I, I don't have the habit of flipping to the day, okay, writing what I have to do um, on that day because usually, let's say my projects, they take they take more than one day to, to finish. So I'd rather say, okay, this week, this is my focus and then um, and then track it through the, the entire week rather than just have that um, one day. And, you know, as a result of having the A6 and the five-year, I ended up not writing in either of them. <laughs> so, um, so for sure, next year I'm going to try to do better in my five year, and I have bought a weeks, so that I mean, obviously it's smaller, and then it has the weekly format. I didn't go for it last year because I think the the um, covers for the weeks are less, but the the they're actually like just part of the, yeah. the book, right? Yeah. Um. So so there's that. And um, I got some Tomoe River notebooks from China, okay. from Taobao, thanks to thanks to Sophia, our friend Sophia. Shout out to Sophia. And she, she passed me these Tomoe River notebooks from China, which um, I don't think I will journal in them, but I might do some projects in them. So right now I have a small one. And, uh, well, I got a small one and a big one. And the small one, I'm using it to uh, kind of, test my nib grinds and 
you know, just have a profile of what pen it is, um, what it was ground to, and then maybe like a small drawing of the shape of the grind. So like a grind catalog for mm-hmm. me, I guess. Um, so, so that's how I, I've been doing it. Jacob, do you have anything for like productivity? Well, so a few years ago, I bought a Hobonichi weekly and the year after I bought one of those travelers notebooks and planner inserts and the year after I bought one of those Rollbon A5 inserts. What all of these three have in common, if you look at them now, is that it's a lot of entries for January. There are a few entries for February and then there's basically nothing else like that. <laughs> I will start, start out thinking that this is going to be the year where I'm using a paper planner, but, it, but I have now come to the realization that I'm more of a Google Calendar kind of person. Having said that, I do, I really enjoy these these system plans, these system thresholds that we talked about. So I have four of them right now. I have an M61 for ink swatches. I have a Bible size, which I have right now here for like notes on the go, including my podcast notes today. I have an um, square shaped one and an A5 size, but I don't use them as planners. Like I use them as a notebook where I can move around and organize my notes. I don't use the planner insert with, like, with, with dates on it, right? So that's basically my setup. Yeah, I think that's just super interesting because, um, you know, like you, I don't have like a habit of planning. So I, I, I wrote entries for January 1, 2, 3, that's it. <laughs> and the birthday. In the birthday. No, well, I wrote, no, I wrote my birthday. I didn't write like I didn't write anything on the day of my birthday. I just wrote, oh, this is my birthday. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I do think it's progressively more and more difficult to to use as time goes on if you don't build that habit. Um, but I'm interested in you know because you said you're like a Google Calendars guy. I'm a Google Calendars guy as well. I'm a Google Calendar girl. You're a Google Calendar girl. So are you a Google Calendar girl? Listen, you're not a Google Calendar girl. Um, but for like the Google Calendar um, folks, for me, I, I find like if I have to remember an appointment, like it, it doesn't make sense for me to write it down in a physical journal, right? Because I want to get a notification about it um, right. and a, a reminder. So I'm, I'm just wondering like the things that I have with other people, probably a, a digital calendar is, is much more effective for what it's supposed to do, which is remind me. Mm. And then for like things that I want to, you know, do exactly as you said, treat those planners more as like notebooks for to do's and like what you want to focus on. That that's an interesting way to to split the usage of a, of a digital and analog. Yeah, I think that works. And I also do have um, I have a big Grafilo notebook where I do more sort of journaling, but it's very irregular right so i don't want any dates because it can be weeks or even months between entries so that works better for me i think the pandemic show us something when i follow on instagram and i read most of the planning community people a lot are changing to the day free or non-dates planners for next year because what i guess is like um our life has has kind of um, being more blurred between the professional and personal life. If you are working from home, if you are taking all your appointments on Zoom and Skype and stuff like that. So finally, what uh, in my um, personal use, I had one planners for work, one planners for meetings, gatherings, friends, uh, seeing friends, uh, going on vacation, stuff like that. One planners more for journaling and and um, my children, one for my children's letters. And now I see that from 
four or five of them, they kind of going in one or two are using and the other one getting more and more abandoned because my life hasn't this uh, separation anymore, going out more often and gathering with people. So all this, all this uh, appointment doesn't make sense. All right, Areta, how do you use journals? I have already accepted that I'm not going to do better. So um, I really like the way I've done it now. And I'm, unlike you guys, I've actually kept up with it, is I went to a cousin's strictly for appointments, like you said. And I schedule things in my phone to beep at me to tell me what's going on. But being able to put it in a very small format like cousin's, I can overall see what's going on during the week and the month. And then I pretty much well stripped out everything out of my traveler's notebook, and it's just a notebook. And then for daily journals, I just ended up using a Hobonichi, and um, that'll come whenever you know I feel like writing, and I don't really pay attention to the days on it. So I've basically turned it into an analog iPhone. An analog iPhone. I like that. Um, yeah, this is pretty much how everybody did stuff, right? This is how everybody planned stuff before smartphones, which are actually quite a recent invention. So, um, yeah, before my time, uh, I was 10. (laughs) (laughs) You're Um, planning away when you're 10. (laughs) um, But yeah, as I said previously on the podcast, you know, I remember my parents using the Filofax planners. So um, it's interesting that at the end of the day, we've developed so many digital tools and they serve a purpose in our lives, but they don't fill the same kind of space in... um, how they affect us and how they, they affect how we we interact with the world, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah, super interesting to hear everybody's planner set up. Um, I'm looking forward to being better, uh, hopefully, in 2022. Because I, I did always want to, like, jot stuff down for, for my work. So let's see how the how the weekly um, goes up. But I feel like, just one more thing about that, I feel like some of these, like the, the Hobonichos, they are trying to serve two purposes. One purpose is to sort of plan your day in advance. At, at 10 o'clock, I'm going to do this. And at the same time, where you, where you write down what you actually did to remember later, right? And I feel like what we're doing here is we are separating that. So for the planning aspect, that's becomes digital but when you write, write, want to write down what you've done what you want to remember from this day that goes into your journal instead yeah okay. and that's more reflective too right yeah. like by the way Kokuyo has released um, the days last year and then they stopped the production in the middle before the, the end of 2020 and people got crazy on the web like everyone was texting me can you find the days in Japan is there a way to find the days and I was like uh, no they are sold out everywhere I asked and I guess they, they got so bad they released it again this year and uh, what's nice is a so it's a daily um, planner but they separate one day in two columns so you have kind of to-do list and um, more like a practical one and the other side you can more like journal and you still have the schedule the hours but you can have like kind of two view like what Jacob just say on the same uh, page and I think it's why it was so popular among uh, the planners uh, fans yeah absolutely um, alright moving on uh, we've had some for me pretty shocking news actually yeah. it, this is like the first time 
in... Don't reveal the ending <laughs> just yet. So, so let me take this from the beginning. <laughs> so uh, a few days ago, there was a post on Instagram from Pilot Korea's official account. And the post said, or I think it said, because I can't read Korean, but based on uh, Instagram's auto-translation, it said... Um, Three existing Irishizuku inks are going to be discontinued. So Tsuyuksa, Tsukushi, and Inaho. They're going to be discontinued, but there's going to be new inks, new colors released instead. Um, So that... uh, A lot of people sent me links to that post because I wasn't following that account. For example, a friend of the show, Sushi Plans, Eunice, she sent that to me, um, and I was planning to go to Itoya next day anyway, so I went to Itoya and I asked them, I showed them this post, and I said, um, is, this, is this real, this, is this happening? Because there was no information whatsoever in Japanese or in any other languages. I even checked on, on Twitter, there was, no, there was no discussions on social media at all, as far as I can tell. So it was very suspicious that you only could see it on this Korean account. So anyway... I went to Itoya and I asked them and they said, yes, this, this is true. These three inks are going to be discontinued. And yes, there's going to be new colors. But then I tried to get more information. You know, can we tell something about the timeline or what the new colors are going to be? And that's, I got the impression that they knew, but that they couldn't tell me about that. Right? So, so that was a, a, a few days ago. But, but then after that, uh, I think just one or two days ago, Someone posted, I think originally on Fountain Network, like Philippines, one of those Facebook groups, photos of three ink bottles that are allegedly the new ink bottles. Now, those I have not been able to verify. So I don't know if that's true, but, but that has made it all over social media now. So there is a photo of three new Hiroshizuka ink bottles. I think one is called Suigyoku, like, like Emerald, which kind of looks like Shinjoku. And then there's one called Hana Ikada, I think, which looks like Cosmos or Momoji, sort of red, purple, pinkish color. And then there's one called uh, Hotaruhi, I believe, which kind of looks like Chikurin. So it kind of looks like... It kind of looks like Pilot is pulling a Mont Blanc. (laughs) Right? Um, So personally, first of all, again, I want to emphasize, we don't know if those inks... If, if these are the real inks or if this is just fabricated, right? We haven't been able to, or at least I have not been able to verify that, but it kind of looks legit. Personally, I'm not so excited about the actual inks, but I'm very interested, I'm very excited about the fact that Pilot is renewing their, their lineup. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, again, I have not seen those new inks, but um, I think. That I mean, I'm looking at the lineup right now, right? Uh, I'm very surprised they removed Inaho because I think people like that ink, yeah. and it's the only ink in that color. I'm not yeah. surprised they removed like uh, Tsukusa because they have like one, fifteen blue colors, five, six, yeah. six blues. <laughs> so, so I don't really care about that. But Inaho, I think, is is a nice like golden like brown color yeah. that they could have kept. I, they can get rid of Tsukushi. I don't really care about that. Um, and I think what they're actually missing is there's no red in Hiroshi's Momiji is quite reddish well, yeah but, but it's, it's sort of pink yeah it's sort of pink reddish I agree 
what I always wanted was some kind of burgundy red, a bit yeah. like uh, Sailor Okuyama type of ink, but uh, this doesn't seem to be it. But at least they are renewing the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think if if you could choose, what colors would you add? Three colors that you could add. I would like to see Pilot go wild with some chroma shading. Uh, I, I don't even care what it is, but just I, I would like them to like see that trend and do something with that trend. So competing with Sailor. Yeah. Add some guitars. That's not going to happen. Johnny, any any thoughts on new colors? Red, uh, brown, and a um, spring green. Like Shinnok is kind of blue, bluish green. So uh, like a, a happy green. A happy green. Yeah, and like, like a red dragon red. Yeah. Yeah, I think like a red dragon red. They they really need that in the lineup. I mean, I guess they have pilot red, right? But it's still not like red dragon where it's <laughs> yeah. really deep. Yeah. But one I, one thought I have about that is that all of these sort of saturated intense reddings that I've ever used have been kind of stain prone, difficult to clean. Uh, I think true. that might not be something that they want to have yeah, in their lineup. That's, that's my guess. Yeah, but but how does that explain pilot red? Because we know they can make red colors. That one is yeah, but that one is not very. That's kind of weak red. I guess I guess, yeah. I think I would add like a red. I think I would add a yellow. Because <laughs> yeah, something, something beige gold, like uh, ginkgo leaves in. That that could be interesting. That could be interesting. Um, but I'm thinking of like. Yellow, like a Easter like, yellow, like a you know, like a reflective vest yellow, <laughs> neon yellow. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I'm excited because I think this is the first time they've replaced mm. uh, Iro Suzuki. They've added colors to Iro Suzuki right. before. They have replaced. Yeah. They they started with all blues, right? They started with like five blues, yeah. and then they've yeah. added the colors in, and now they're kind of replacing colors. That that's for me. That that's quite interesting to see so so we'll see how that shakes out but and, I, i'm excited and it was the, it's the first time in quite a few years that they've done anything so if you don't count the anniversaries and if you don't count this tokyo limited editions the last time like the most recent iroshizuka related press release i could find was from 2014 which is where they introduced the mini bottles so it's been at least like seven years since they did anything with this uh, lineup which i think is um it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and that's very pilot too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. But speaking of inks, um, we have new ink bottle designs from Kakimori. Took a look at them. Yeah. Uh, I see where they're going, but I feel like it's going to be harder for storage. Yeah, I imagine that's not the, the, the primary concern. I mean, the current bottles look a bit boring. That's true. I, yeah. The new ones are a bit more. They're a bit more expensive, but they look cute. I'm sure that they'll sell well. What interested me about that um, announcement wasn't, wasn't the shape of the bottles, but that they actually said, maybe this, this was only in the story, but they said that it's not just a new bottle. They have new inks and the formulation is slightly different this time. So the, the inks are still made by Turner as they are today, but the new inks are said to be less um, prone to feathering and bleed through. And we have talked in the past about how these kakimorings, they're very nice to write with because you have this kind of cushioning feel, but they they are 
unless you write on like Tomo River and Grafilo or whatever, they, they tend to feather, they tend to bleed through on a lot of paper. So I'm, I'm reading through the post as well, and the, the bottle itself, sorry to get back to the bottle, it's supposed to be inspired, it looks like a raindrop, right? Mm. Yeah. And the, the cap is slightly off-center, um, so I think the idea, the focus of this is actually to allow people to use it with dip pens, because mm. it's actually very hard to use dip pens if the bottle is straight. Mm. Um, so, so the slide allows it better um, for people to use dip pens. And in fact, the pictures only show with dip pens. Um, very interesting about the formulation as well. Uh, so I guess they, they did know that there were issues with, uh, with the previous formulation, or at least, you know, they wanted to improve that. But I think it's, it's still just like Pilot. It's been a few years, right? They, they've done the... the ink mixing for at least like you know, four, four or five years. Um, so, so it's interesting to see them stick with the pigmented ink because I feel like a lot of blendable inks are dye-based. I think yeah. that's like just less complications. So I wonder why they didn't go on the dye-based route. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. Eh? You're right that in general pigmented inks are a little bit more problematic. But if you look at what they're selling, they're selling a lot of dip pens and glass pens. So, so maybe that is, maybe that's what the customers are mostly interested yeah, in. Yeah, that's true. And it's it's harder to get the dye-based water inks because they're, they're more like, you know, watery. They're less mm. viscous. Um, it's harder to get that to stick on the dip nibs, right? Mm. So that's why I think a lot of calligraphers add gum arabic to to inks to mm. make them more viscous and also more glossy as well so anyways uh we'll see yeah they said they said they start directly with, with the pre-reservation and the next spring they will change the um, the cap now it's plastic and i think mm. they will try to do a wooden cap at least on the, sorry at least on one of the picture yeah that that's that's interesting or grass i don't know White cherry tree. Yeah. And I think if you are in the US, you can today you can buy Kakimori inks from Yoseka Stationery. I don't know for a fact that they're going to get the new bottles, but I would kind of assume that. I think so. Mm. Um, the Drillog like nibs from Kakimori. Yeah, so that's the Kakimori's new nib, right? It kind of looks like a light version of the Drillog in the sense that you have this metal nib with grooves. It's not nearly as many grooves as on a Drillog. Um, and I haven't tried it myself, but I'm, it's far less expensive than a Drillog. Uh, I'd like to, to try one. I think we need to stop by Kakimori and try it out and then do a yeah, report. Yeah. So the the Drillog is interesting because it has the vertical grooves yeah. coming down and then it has horizontal grooves that exactly. cut through the vertical ones. Mm. This one looks like just the vertical ones. And yeah. if this works, I think that will be a huge problem for Drillog because Drillog only works in the Drillog system, right? And or, I, although you see, I'm not sure if you've seen that, but I think it was... Um, I think Brooks, Brooks, Brooks yeah, yeah he, he made that uh, holder was right. pretty cool. But yeah, it, it, but you have to use, uh, you have yeah. to make make one. Yeah. Whereas if this works, 
I, I don't know if you can use it in any dip pen, but if you are able to use it in any, any nib holder, then I think not a lot of people are in love with Drillog's pen bodies mm, for sure. so much as their, their nibs, right? So, so I think this would be a big problem. I, I guess it's not in any um, dip pen, but some of the one they release because it will be a full, um, let's say, ring, not you know, not the half. Um... Yeah. So, so, but you can take the flange holder yeah. out, yeah, 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 and then put it in. So, so I, I've done that before as well. But I think with this, it gives you more options. Of course, yeah. Although the drill lock is threaded, so as long as you can find somebody who can tap threads, that will work too. Yeah. Are you excited about these? Oh, wow. Yeah. The aluminum ones already sold out. It does look pretty cool. It looks really interesting. How much is that nib? 3800 Oh, that's so... And then they've got just a regular screw-in, like, bottom. You have to buy the... Uh, there's a screw, and then you have to buy the pen holder. Oh, uh, so you can't use it on a straight calligraphy? calligraphy no, I guess uh, not, because it's a full... Green. Oh. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. We have to try. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to find out. But this this nib itself is is certainly like quite interesting. Mm. How much are the drill off nibs? I think if you just buy the nibs, it's like between like a bit over fifteen thousand yen. I think. Oof. Yeah. And there have been reports that they don't work very well. Well, it, so. depend, it depends on the ink. I think all of them, like, I mean, I'm not, you know, one way or another, but right. um, all my glass pens, some of them work with some inks and some of them don't work with other inks. And then it's the same thing even with a, a dip pen. Mm -hmm. I've got, you know, a, a gold dip pen and, you know, it works with some inks and some don't. So you're not going to find one that's all around. But yeah, it's not, it's not universal. There's particularly very wet, like Kakimori type inks. Yeah. Wet, um, um, what do you call it, pigment-based inks that are very wet don't work very well in the drill log. Yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see about that. We have a new Twisby, which looks almost exactly the same as an old Twisby. This is for Alessa. No, it's, it's not cute. Alessa, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't think it's cute? No. You don't think the color is cute? Or or what's I, it was a, the Japan limited edition, right? That yeah. You're talking about. I really had high hopes for it, and ended up being mustard. Yeah, it, I think they're they're trying to go for like this sun color. No, it's a mustard. It's the uh, um, oh yeah, it's yeah, classy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like it, they they hit it accurately. It looks like dull mustard. As far as I can tell, people are more excited about the packaging than about the pen <laughs> itself. So, yeah. I agree with them because the packaging <laughs> is, is, cool. is amazing. Yeah. And what I like about the packaging is that they talk about all of the parts and how to use the pen. And I think that's just so smart um, for that. But how much is a regular eco cost? 30 bucks. $30? This is $77. Would you buy one for $77? Uh, you can get a what do you call it a bungu box um, maki echo for what about 120. So no, I wouldn't. Jacob, what what do you think about this pen? Well, I've never really been a, a, a twisty person, so I, personally I'm not that interested. But I'm sure it's going to sell very well. Right? People will go to great lengths to acquire this from Japan. That's my prediction. Yeah, like you all, I'm not a twisty maniac. I, I don't own any ecos. Um, I think 
the best thing about the toasties is that they're easy to get into, right? And there's like 100 different colors. It's like it's like the beginner's sailor almost. Um, or um, it's like, no, I, I think it's like. Well, it's like those people that, co- you know, collect all the colors from Lamy, yeah. except for it doesn't dry out like Lamy. It's a better pen. It's good. Yeah, I, I think it, it will, and especially with this uh, limited edition box, so it will sell for, for sure. No, I'm but sure it will sell. It's not my type of pen. Yeah, this is a... Would, do you think it's smart for Twisby to go with a color that's so close to a previous color that they had to have comparison pictures between the two? I have very strong opinion about that. I, this is totally marketed to the Japanese market. And that's one thing you'll see a lot of times. There's a lot more appreciation in Japan for these kind of muddy, muted colors. And I think we like more maybe in the West, like the purple, you know, when uh, Lamy came out with their purple or their mango color. I think we kind of like that bright, clear color. But there's a real appreciation for muted, mixed, kind of muddy colors in Japan. I think this is squarely aimed at that market. I think this is also like a little bit translucent, which is also very much part of like that Japanese aesthetic. It is slightly translucent. If you look at the at the knob, you'll see that you can see a little bit parts of the black coming through the, the material. It um, looks like a Pikachu pen. <laughs> not bad marketing for them either. <laughs> I think it's why we sell it. I would have preferred a Pikachu pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Twisby... It's it's interesting because they don't have a direct presence there here. They obviously work with Sakai, um, but they they've had several limited editions here, so we'll see. I don't really see Twisby as being like huge in the market in like the Japanese market itself, though. So to me, it, it is a bit of a question mark why they they focus so much on Japan as well. But is it limited in numbers? I believe it is. I mean, I'm sure it is eventually, right? But uh, but. Yeah, I know that these will be, be, you know, very popular, even outside of Japan. And it does say yet yeah, limited edition. So how many are you gonna sell? I'm not gonna <laughs> sell any of these because it doesn't make it doesn't make sense on a profit margin. Oh, for like, like, I'm not an expensive sell a, pen, yeah. like a seventy dollar pen. Yeah. Yesterday and tomorrow, funnily not today. Uh, yesterday and tomorrow, very specific. There's a event at Ancora. Now, I saw, uh, so you went to this event yesterday. I also went to the event yesterday separately uh, after you did. Um, what did you think about this? First of all, um, maybe, Jacob, you want to tell us a little bit about this event? So I only saw the Instagram post. There was something about it. Um, we're going to have some rare exotic sailor models for sale. That, that was sort of the the headline well um it was called a pen marche and uh, that word is used a lot in japan like for farmers markets you know so we have um a vegetable marche over by my apartment every saturday and it's like a farmer's market and they called it a marche and i went there and that's exactly what it was it was like i'm not trying to be mean i love ancora i go there a lot i really (laughs) love the store but it was like the stuff they had in the attic that was left over and they kind of dumped it out there. And like, I was all excited because I found a, a promenade, which I had owned before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but it's a 14 karat gold nib and I got it for $100 along with a converter and a notebook. So I bought it for a giveaway later because it was just like $100 for a 14 karat gold, you know, sailor nib. So they just kind of had their, the stuff that was left over. And even though some of it was really nice and it was, um, you know, all kinds of maquillage, it was in, in, like I think you were saying, it was highly discounted. It was just maybe overall 50 pens and there was just what they had left over in the back. Other than that, it was, it wasn't anything remarkable. Yeah. Um, when I went, there were two categories of things. The first is, as you said, um, really discontinued products that they had from last year when uh, when um, they announced the whole like discontinued line. So they had the Milcolore, they had the Promenade, they had Sigma, uh, they had the Sigma Rialo, um, and all of these things that they discontinued from their line, but I guess they ha- obviously still had inventory. And then the second part was the, the rare, like the really rare Sailor Fountain. That caught my attention because what they had there, they had a uh, Naghara Susutake, which... They told me they couldn't identify whether it is ground by junior or senior. Um, it was ground by junior. I am 95% sure. Uh, they, they look very different, right? The grinds just look very, very different. Um, I'm, I'm 95% sure uh, that it's ground by junior. But what surprised me was that it's, quote unquote, only $1,100. Now, if you look on Yahoo Auctions, right? Susutakes will go for anywhere between uh, 200, uh, so 2,000 US dollars to 3,000 US dollars. This is the kind of pen that you couldn't buy even if you had money. Yeah, but, but the thing is, there have been many different types of Susutakes, and the real expensive ones, they also tend to have the most exotic nibs, like the King Eagles and yeah. so on, right? So this nib was a regular NB, and um, it was in the late 2000s. So it's probably not the most sought after, but still, I think a thousand dollars is is fairly. I can't believe I'm saying this is fairly reasonable for a uh, for this kind of a model. And they told me that there were different sizes of stucke as well, based on I mean just what kind of bamboo they could get, right? And this was one of the bigger sizes. The problem with this pen is that you can't hold it at the section. Right, right, right. I think that's true for many of these Suzutakis, right? They, I mean, I haven't tried many of them, but just from the photos, they look very uncomfortable. Yeah, so, so I held it at the end of the, um, so on the body, just at the very end, um, which actually was, was fine because it was very like kind of, you know, I don't want to use, I really hate this kind of expression, but brush-like, right? Because when you use a brush, you don't hold it at the end, you actually hold it somewhere in the middle. So that was, uh, that was fun. They also had a long green. What a long green is, um, is that Sailor did a bunch of pens with, I believe, Italian celluloid back in the days. And this one is a long profit. So it's, it's about a third longer. And then just in the middle part is a gathered um, kind of marbled Italian celluloid. And this had a senior nib on. This had a senior um, NM on it. And this only, quote-unquote, only costs 825 US dollars. Did you get it? I did not get it. Uh, I don't have that kind of money lying around, especially right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did think that these pens, if you're a sailor collector, this is actually a pretty good deal. 
But my question is, why did they do it at Ancora? Because Ancora is like the young lady's place. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. So they did the right thing, but they didn't do it at the right place. Well, maybe this is because they do want they do want the old rich collectors to go there. Yeah, let's let's see about that. <laughs> um, but one thing uh, to your point, Alyssa, you know, you said, oh, these look like they just got it from the attic. They actually told me a story about these. Uh, they had four pets, right? But, and all four of them were Nagahara drawings, senior and junior combined. They told me that these pens, while are theoretically new, they were actually pens that were on display in Sailor's London shop. I think Sailor had a London retail shop um, like many, many years ago. So they were pens on display in the London shop and then they were brought back to Japan and not sold, you know, outside of Sailor. So they're kind of bringing um, the, the pens from overseas and actually all the packaging is, is in English actually because it was for, for the Western market. They brought them back to Japan and this is the first time that they're, they're selling them. So you're not entirely wrong about them having brought it from the attic. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah. You know, what I think the, the, the main attraction for this event is that they didn't market was that Sailor's nib worker came to the event. And Sailor's nib person would adjust the pens that you buy and make it right according to how you like it. Um, so I feel like if they advertise that part of the event more, it would incentivize more of the, you know, Inkanuma ladies being like, oh, I want to make my sailor write more wet. Well, they offered that on my promenade. The lady yeah. was, you know, I mean, I'm like, and I was, since it was gonna, I was going to give it away, I didn't want to open it. But um, yeah, I thought that was... That might be kind of a nice little service, but it was even yeah. offered on my $100 pen. Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't say anything about it, right? Yeah. And, and I just feel like that's a, a missed opportunity. But like you said, it's I just so weird that you would have to battle through the make-your-own pen, the pen stamps, the colorful tapes, and all that to get to the back to get to this, you know, totally 180-out audience <laughs> So that was just, like you said, I, I don't understand why they held it at Ancora. Yeah, but I, I'm glad they did something. Uh, I, I hope they do more of this, um, but I do hope that they, they think about and plan it out better because if they do this kind of, I don't actually mind that they do it at Ancora, but maybe bring it a bit to the front um, to, to make it a whole thing, right? Otherwise, it's like... But, but honestly, you know, a lot of people that buy those build-your-own-pens, I mean, it's something they save up for. This is, you know, spending 30 or $40 for a pen for most people is a, is a big purchase, you know, because it's a pen. And um, I think when you juxtapose that against a $1,000 pen that's a really good deal, I don't know if you're going to be you know, putting it toward the front. I don't know if you're calling your bread and butter people in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's so hilarious that that Alessa bought a, a promenade and I had forgotten that she had one. I had forgotten that this model like even existed. I, I guess I think this model is almost like for, forgotten now, but it wasn't very long ago when um, the three uh, entry-level gold nib pens were Platinum C776, Pilot Custom 74, Sailor Promenade. Those were the three 10,000 yen models from each pen maker. So Promenade is gone, uh, 3776 is now like 16,000 I believe. 
Pilot Custom 74 is now like 13,000. So, so this, this is from a, a forgotten era. And also... Oh, but there is still the profit light. Well, so, so related to that, I, sales lineup has always yeah. been and always been confusing. So, I mean, back when we did this uh, Sailor Minus episode, the lineup at that point was Promenade, Profit Standard, Profit Standard 21, Profit 21, King Profit, and then ProGear were even crazier. Like to have ProGear Slim Mini, <laughs> ProGear Mini, ProGear Slim, ProGear Sigma Slim, ProGear, ProGear Sigma, ProGear Realo, ProGear Realo Sigma, ProGear KOP. And that doesn't even cover the, the, uh, the, the low end steel nib pens and then they, the crazy high-end uh, special yeah. editions, right? And also don't forget, they had different names. They, they used both Slim and Sapporo. Although I never heard Sapporo in Japan. I think that's, that's a US true. thing. That's true. But, but then for a brief moment, there was a little bit of clarity because they, they discontinued Promenade. And they discontinued this whole Sigma lineup that, that extended all the way from Slim to, to Riello, right? But now, as you say, now they've introduced Profit Lite, which is basically just a Promenade again at, at a slightly higher price. With the worst... Um... Yeah, exactly. And now they also have that Profit Casual, which we talked about in a recent episode, which is basically their version of Pilot Custom NS. In other words, the steel nibbed. Which didn't sell. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, and now, now it's all confusing again, and, and no one understands Sailor's lineup. Yeah. Um, Sailor, Sailor is confusing. Their pricing is confusing, too. But that's a different topic. See, speaking of very expensively priced Sailors, though, there's a very expensively priced sailor that's coming out, again, from, from a shop that I thought were kind of opposed to, to doing these, like, you know, um, shop exclusives. They've not had many shop exclusives at all, uh, but just, I think at the beginning of this year, obviously it's their 20th anniversary, they came out with the custom 823 in deep blue. Of course, I'm talking about Shosaika here. The... Um, the A23 was well received, but largely thought up to be as extremely expensive. Uh, to put it in context, right, a regular A23 is about three hundred dollars, three hundred thirty dollars with tax. The blue one was like something like five hundred fifty dollars with tax. They're coming out with a sailor now. This sailor is seven hundred dollars with tax. It's a gathered pro gear. Gathered pro gears are, are less common on the market. They also tend to be more expensive. I guess that it's more expensive to actually make that kind of barrel. Yeah, and I'm looking at this, this pen now. It is very nice. And there is kind of like a little bit of a translucency, at least to, to the section that I can see. But it's a $700 pen. And interestingly, it doesn't cost more for a zoom. Well, I think if you look at this pen and you look at that uh, Genai, I think it was called uh, this, the 823, and, and then you look at the older, the mist, and then you look at their inks, I think you can say based on the kind of pens and inks they sell, they kind of go for a different clientele that some of the other uh, retailers aim for. Right? I, I, I mean, the, also, it also has to do with, with the location of the shop. I imagine this is like a business gift. Is the hedge fund manager going in and, and buying something to celebrate a, a successful deal? Yeah, 
but I think like the pricing differential between an eight two three, which is the you know, it's like a plunger filler. It's got a, a it's got a big nib. Um, you know, s- special engraving. I think this pen also has a special engraving, but. Yeah, so, but, so, but, but just, just to, to clarify what I mean, I, the thing about that pen isn't the fact that it's very expensive, but that they, you could argue from if you come from the perspective that you like, you know, colorful battles, that was a missed opportunity. You, you could do a eight two three in any color, and you made an almost black one, right? But if your clientele is people who buy these business gifts, maybe this is exactly the right pen to make. I think this this is the right pen to make. I, I agree with this this pen. I, I like this pen. I wish it were a Rialo. Um, if it were a Rialo, I would have bought it on the you know immediate right like that. Uh, I think that that's fine. I'm just wondering like this this pen at this price because they still they haven't sold out of the A two three I believe. Um, so this pen at this price versus the A two three, which I would argue is a, is a better pen. Um, I understand why they priced it like this, probably because of sailor sailor's pricing. Um, I, I just think that it's almost a little bit too expensive for for what it is. Um, but there's only forty of these, and what's interesting about them is, of course, the pen is interesting. It's interesting that they did it. They can come with a Nagahara special, so you can add. It's hundred dollars to it, and you can get a Nagahara special Kodachi E F F M F M or B, which is pretty much exactly the same as the Nagahara. But that's only if you buy it during that Nagahara event, right? Is that the case? I am not sure because on the on the Instagram post it says limited to forty. Regular nibs are seven hundred dollars, and then the special nib is eight hundred dollars. So, yeah, eight hundred dollar pro gear, and also they're 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 hosting um, Nagahara. I think at the same time as uh, as this uh, release, so you can go and and get your nibs ground uh, by Nagahara as well. They asked me if I wanted to go. I said, ah, probably probably not, because uh, you know. Right, and the deal is similar to at Bongobox, where if you buy a pen from the store at that time, uh, you get the that the three thousand yen level adjustment for free. I think it's the first time that they've hosted Nagahara, at least as a solo act. Um, so maybe there's going to be some kind of a more of a rivalry between Bongobox and and uh, and. And Shosaikan, because they're they're pretty much five minutes distance from each other. But I feel like, as you said, the clientele is is very different. For me, it almost feels like Nagahara's grind clientele would more be situated with Shosaikan, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Um, but one thing I will say is that I think that Myth Pen. I think they've had that pen in stock for like 10 years or something like that. So clearly they're not too concerned about not selling everything no. immediately, right? They, they, they can stomach that inventory cost. But I mean, now you look at this $800 sailor pen. For me, I think the myth pen is a, is a bargain. <laughs> yeah, but, but actually it is. It is a bargain regardless. Yes. It's well, kind, of, kind of an ugly pen, but, but, but that, that's just... <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a matter of taste. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the pen is very beautiful. But anyways... The the section or that that beige part that's what doesn't work for me. But 
That's a tangent. Uh, yet another pilot section. Screw it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, all right. Shall we move on to tips preview? So have you had the chance to look at the exhibitor lineup yet? So it was I- so difficult to get a ticket. Oh, you haven't got a ticket yet. I, I have one now, but it's the only uh, available place was Sunday afternoon. Oh. So I cannot see you. Are you going as press this time? I'm, I'm a volunteer again this year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But you were a volunteer slash press last time. You had sort of well, two I, roles. Yeah, it was like two roles. I think yeah. this is going to be the same thing this year, too. Yeah, so, so Jacob and I, we applied for press. Haven't heard anything back yet. But I think that was the same last time. Yeah. yeah. Someone said, just come and we'll sort it up. I can't remember who said it that. It was Bruce, I think. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was. I think we'll... I'll probably email Bruce and be like, hey... What's going on? Is he still part of the, the yeah. committee? Okay, so I'll email him again, like maybe later tonight or something. Um, but I, I took a look at the exhibitors and I I got pretty excited about some of them because not because I want to buy anything from any of them. Well, Hanabi's going to be there. That's very, very cool. Um, a lot of new exhibitors this year. That's what I think is, is interesting. And I think there were some complaints about some... Uh, older collectors in previous years that oh tips is more a ink and general stationary show it's it's not a pen show and interestingly this year i feel like there are more pen vendors i feel like what tips has done in the past two to three years has really built up the reputation for these pen vendors to actually come and exhibit so the people that i'm talking about are for example again shosaikan is going to be there that's interesting because actually Shosaikan's staff was at TIPS as uh, as a helper for another store for um, the second edition and third edition and now Shosaikan are actually going to show. So I think that's the first time they've showed at a pen show actually. They, they don't show at other pen shows, right? Kubo's apprentice is going to be at the show so with some of his own nibs but he was there last time i think both you and i missed that but we heard about it from alessa's video yeah i'm interested definitely to to see he also advertises that he can fix like old pens or like using like different parts so i really want to get to him this year there's also like h works with like these titanium pens and it sounded like they even make their own nibs, which sounded very yeah. interesting. Yeah, so those guys I'm, I'm interested in. And there's there's a, a company called Lawrence. Um, and I've never heard of this company before, but I think they also do their own pens. So I feel like the Tokyo International Pen Show is becoming more and more of a pen show rather than a general, you know, inks and stationery show. And, you know, th- that's good for some people. Um, some people, um, you know, might miss the, the older style. What do you guys think? I think that's probably true, but pen show includes glass pen, a dip pen. And as I think for that reason, some of the old timer might still might not be <laughs> happy about it. I mean, they are pens, right? Yeah, yeah but, but I mean, that's not what I mean when I talk about uh, we want more pens at the show. Right? So what, what do you think? Are you excited about any of these? Uh... Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I think... Um... Just a little bit of the, the, I'm a volunteer again this year, and just a little bit of the background in it. And there already seem to be, uh, they're smoothing out more of the 
things that might be uh, bottlenecks for, I think, for exhibitors. And, like, they let us in on, um, I don't know if you remember when you went last year, there was a hotel right next on that walkway to go over to the pen show. They have, like, an insane discount on this place for both exhibitors and people who want to come to the show. And you go to a special page, and that's something they didn't have the years before. And you can literally, one person can stay in for, like, overnight with a light breakfast for, like, 30 bucks. Like, in Tokyo, it's insane. So they're really kind of going out of their way, I think, to open it up to just a lot more. I think they want a lot more varied vendors and stuff. But I'm actually very excited about this year. I think it's going to be even better than last year, even with the restrictions we've had coming up to it. You know, we've had all our meetings with masks on and zoom and all that stuff and it just it's a huge venue and it's a beautiful venue and i think it's going to be a really good show and you've been a volunteer now this is your fourth year as a volunteer no i didn't volunteer the first year i went the oh. first year and then this is my third year and so so you've gone through the asakusa era and now this is going to be the second year at hamatsucho you know you, you obviously said you know there, there's been some improvements on the kind of like logistical side of that. I'm curious to understand your opinion on how the show has like evolved as a show itself as well. Well, like you said, I, I, well, part of it is it's not really fair to the show because, you know, it started like two years and bang, the, the pandemic showed up and that really put a crimp in it. And they've really handled that really well. They've been very good about handling that, I think better than any other um, other like stationary show we've had mm. here so that that's really put a crimp in their style there but even despite that you know like I said last year was probably the thinnest year on like vintage pens and stuff like that and the fact that they're going to bounce back from that a little bit and I think also that there's like interest in the Kubo's Apprentice and stuff that kind of interest also I think is, is good feedback for them so yeah, I think it's going to evolve into be a, a more complex pen show. I am mostly excited about talking to the Yamamoto paper guy. I have we have paper discussions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like last year, I, I would like to borrow some of the products to talk about um, on the show, and uh, and we haven't decided how we're going to actually cover the show because it's actually going to be on our off week. We'll think about how we want to do that. Maybe we'll shift the schedule a little bit um, for one of the weeks uh, and, do, and do something like close to a live show. We definitely need to plan the live show better than last time. It, yeah. it, was, it was a bit last minute and it was not obvious how to find it. Yeah, and uh, and we'll sure. try. I mean, as you said, we borrowed products from. Um, uh, various tables and we said we're going to show this on the live show and they asked you know where's the live show and what's kind of hard to explain to right them. right right yeah so i think this year we'll definitely go in with a bit more planning yes um but yeah i i'm personally uh quite excited about this so uh yeah we'll we'll see yeah quite any last words about the show i'm really looking forward because i missed it last year so it has been like since 2020 and um, I've never been to the new location, too, and it seems to be really big, and I guess my bank account would suffer a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> looking forward. Yeah. The new lo- the location is very nice. It's a bit annoying to get to, I think. I, I mean, not just the fact that, I mean, actually for me, the subway station is far away, but also you have to walk a bit from the subway station. It's not obvious how to get there from the subway station, I think. But it, it's, it's quite a big venue, and now Wagner is doing um, stuff... Uh, at this venue as well 
which by the way we didn't cover the last Wagner event, which I think neither of us went. No, I, I didn't go to this. Yeah, you couldn't, right? You, you yeah, were, you I was were... stuck. I'm hoping that I can finally get a Hase pen. <laughs> Let's see. Um, but yeah. I want to say one thing about the tips pen. Are we going to talk about inks and pen? Yeah, so, so tips, um, every year they, they've released an ink. Usually the, the vendors do their like tips exclusive pens. And last year they had a fountain pen that you could get for free uh, with a ticket. This year they're doing something similar. Last year it was clear that it was you know, targeted towards ink numas, you know, clear color. You can see the ink inside. That's how they advertise it. This year, they're even going further into that, leaning into that theme. Yeah, so um, about the pen. So, so Pilot has this pen called 78G, which they don't sell in Japan. At least they're not selling in Japan now, but all kinds of clones of 78G. And that was the case last time. It wasn't clear to me last time whether it was actually made by Pilot or made by someone else. But this time, based on the photos, it actually says wings on the clip and, and you can see that the nib is one of those uh, stub nibs you find on, on aliexpress and print and wings is what all of those like wingsung pens have on the clip so it looks like they're getting like a chinese clone of a pilot 78g for a japanese pen show i think it absolutely is the wings even from last year it was that as well the pilot 78g they're they're Pilot uses it for the, the build-your-own-pen events in Japan. And yeah, maybe this is why we don't see Pilot there. Who knows? Have we ever seen Pilot at a pen show? Um, it's always been Sailor, hasn't it? Not at um, not at tips, but they have showed at, I think, some like Mitsukoshi's. And, oh, yeah, so like a store. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's that. Um, they, they also come up with the ink. And this year's ink is like a, like a cool... I think it's like an iceberg theme, is it? Yes, picnic. Picnic at the iceberg. Yeah. What do you What do you think about this this ink? I have not reserved one, and I'm sure they're already sold out. But I I, I um, check it because I reserved like I reserved the ink before having the tickets, you know. So all the tickets were sold out, but there were still some inks left. So once I got the ink, I was like, okay, I don't have any tickets to get in. <laughs> <laughs> so check the website. Maybe you still have. A... I'll pick it up for you. <laughs> I don't really want the ink because. I just feel like I have so much Sailor Inks now. You know, do I really want to chase this? But this year's ink is really nice. Well, they limited it this year. Um, last year, I accidentally bought two bottles as a volunteer. I don't know how it happened, but I got rid of the second one really easy. But this year, they limited it for the volunteers could only buy one bottle. Oh, okay. Even for volunteers. Right. But I remember, was it two or three years ago, um, the inks, they had so few of those inks that even if you line up uh, like one hour before the event started, uh, you didn't have a chance yeah. to buy the ink. They, they sold out. I, I, you had to be one of like the first. Like you basically had to line up like two hours before and be one of the first 50 people or something like that. It was almost impossible to buy it. But last year, as you said, I think they made too many of them. And I think I think Bongbox sold the remaining inks. Could be, yeah. In the Bongbox store. So maybe this time they're trying to Tighten it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, I, I've been to Bungbox. Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny that I bought some bottles there. Uh, <laughs> won't say anything about that. But yeah, I think um, that time when they make the two inks, the, the green tea and the... Oh yeah, and that was tea. like yeah, the first year or something? Second year. Second year, yeah. I actually liked 
that series. Yeah, that was a nice series. Yeah, but but they did make too many of them, uh, which is good for me because I may may or may not have bought extra bottles. Does Bungbox still have that Halloween pen, the Echo? I don't know, but you can buy it online. I'm I'm personally interested in what Bungbox is going to bring to tips. I don't think they've announced what their tips pen is going to be yet. But they have all every year now, right? They have yeah. had their own tips pen. Yeah, so that would be interesting. I bet there's going to be sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so. Two years ago, they had the、um, Alice pen.、Um, last year, they had the、uh, Twinkle Star, Twinkle Star Dust, and then this year, who knows? But the Alice pen was a slim pen.、Uh, the Twinkle Star Dust is, or slash was, a full size mini. This year, maybe it's going to be a Rialo. Rialo. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if if they do something cool. Um, my wallet may suffer. But I think that's pretty much the the end of the show. The, there's some additional news about Nagasawa's、uh, new pen, but I think we can we can skip that. It's it's not super super interesting. They're basically releasing a pen that looks almost exactly like what a Hachimanja would would release, and they have an IG、uh, live on that, so you can watch that if you you're really interested in that pen. But、um, but yeah, I think we we talked a lot today. Um, brought a lot of information and, and discussed a lot about our expectations for tips, which I think everybody is excited for. All right, thanks everybody. Really appreciate again everybody for listening in.、Uh, you know, every episode. I think at the end, you know, we 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 do the we do the episode, and we always you know think of okay. I really hope that our listeners like、um, the product that we're producing this time. So. You know, again, thanks to everybody's support, we're able to to do this show, and yeah, hopefully we'll have a great show again, either in two weeks or three weeks. We don't know,、uh, depends on how we want to schedule tips, but、uh, I guess we're going to find out. And with that, my name is Cy. You can find me on my website at TokyoStationPens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at TokyoStationPens, and on Twitter at TokyoStationMNH. And my name is Jacob. I'm Foodafan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at Foodafan.com. And thanks, guys, for having me today. My name is Kray. You can find me on Instagram at MiraiCat. And thanks for having me on. I'm Elisa Inky Rocks on YouTube and Instagram. Bye bye.